everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program we produce throughout the academic year in which we tell you about the people events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding national liberal arts college. In this 28th edition of season number six, we're going to visit with some Monmouth students who are accomplishing very impressive things in the area of research, as well as in the area of summer internships. Do you ever wonder whether Democrats and Republicans eat the same thing for breakfast? And if so, or if not, why is that the case? Or maybe you wondered how religion plays into the Supreme Court over the last several decades. Earlier this spring, two Monmouth College students presented some very interesting research on those topics from the disciplines of political science. Senior Grant Miller of Centennial, Colorado, shared his project about politics and breakfast virtually at the Midwest Political Science Association conference earlier in the spring. Essentially, we kind of presented on uh, the idea that uh, partisans might eat different things for breakfast. So Democrats might eat different things than Republicans for breakfast, and we found that uh, Democrats are more likely to eat eggs, meat, toast for breakfast, and Republicans are more likely to eat uh, cereal and sandwiches for breakfast, and we kind of uh, surmised that this is because uh, Democrats might be more willing to try new things and more uh, do undergo more effort to eat their breakfast, while Republicans might uh, have less effort towards their breakfast, and it's more of a kind of pragmatic choice. Although many people might not connect breakfast with politics, Grant says that in many ways, the connection is a sign of the times. From cultural ideas, these kind of non-political objects have taken on political meaning. So you see things like trucks being associated with Republicans and veganism being associated with Democrats. Um, one of the papers that we drew on a lot was the paper, um, do or why do Democrats drink, or do Democrats drink more lattes? This was something that we kind of pulled on a lot. So there's a lot of kind of cultural touchstones that it, um, are kind of indicated by your partisanship and so um, it's kind of interesting to think about how like kind of the implications of that and and like I kind of talked about the implications of that uh, we think for our uh, for our research was about kind of the pragmatism versus the experience of breakfast and and that kind of thing but certainly I think there's a lot of uh, research to be done in that area about these different kind of uh, cultural ideas uh, and their relationship with partisanship. And one of the reasons that our research uh, is maybe a bit more significant is because a lot of the past research has been more anecdotal or more kind of uh, case by case. And this was done with a robust national survey. And so it gives kind of a clear and large data set that shows, hey, partisans do eat different things for breakfast. There is this cultural difference between between partisans that might otherwise not have any you wouldn't associate these things with Democrats or Republicans otherwise. There's no reason to politically, but we do see these differences. Um, there's a lot of other, there's a lot of caveats that we kind of talked about that um, future research might have to be done. So for example, uh, the way this research was done, we were looking at what the person had for breakfast today. And so maybe future research would talk about uh, what you eat for breakfast over a two week period or a month or two months. Um, but certainly I think there's uh, the idea that um, Democrats and Republicans might 
eat different things and so you might serve different things. And the other kind of idea is that uh, if what we theorize is true that uh, Democrats are looking more for the experience than Republicans, then maybe you're not even looking to open a diner in a place depending, and your menu might not be dependent, but where you actually open the diner might be dependent on the voting record of the county, because if there's more Democrats in that county, you might be more likely to have people who are willing to come out, uh, spend more effort to come eat at your diner rather than make their own quick food and be done. Senior Matt Datloff of Las Vegas, Nevada, attended the Henry Symposium on Religion and Public Life in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's where he presented research on the U.S. Supreme Court justices. And I presented on ideological shifts on religious jurisprudence at the Supreme Court over time. And what I found in my research, which is most interesting, is that you've seen an ideological flip-flop over time between the conservative coalition and the liberal coalition. In the early 60s and 70s, you see that liberal coalition tended to vote in favor of religious liberty while conservatives would sat, sat more on the fence and only vote in favor of religious liberty about 50% of the time, where your liberals at the time were 70% and higher. Um, that has shifted. Uh, today you see that conservatives tend to vote in favor of religious uh, claims at very high rates, 90% or higher, uh, with all the justices that sit today, while the liberals uh, have much lower numbers. Uh, Ginsburg, before she retired her, she voted in favor of religious liberty 36% of the time, so Mayor is about 30% of the time. So you've seen kind of a flip-flop on ideology here over time. And Matt says there's a reason for that change he cited. Um, I think the politics have changed. I think the political landscape changed over time. I think in the 1960s, you're coming off the 50s. You have the, you know, the civil rights cases. You have the Warren Court, that's an activist court, trying to secure uh, civil liberties for particular minorities at that time and marginalized groups. But I think it bleeds into their religious jurisprudence. It's you know religious freedom as part of those kinds of civil, civil liberty cases. Um, but the issues have changed over time. Today religion and a lot of the civil liberties things kind of come up against each other. So LGBT accommodation, access to women contraceptive, like the Hobby Lobby cases, and things like that have now come up against relig religious liberty claims. And so I think the liberals have had to kind of pick a side on that. And I think the conservatives have picked a side on that. Monmouth College political science professor Andre Audet says that both Monmouth seniors are to be commended for the high level of their research and its sophistication. Um, well, both projects are very well done, um, very advanced, especially for undergraduate research. Um, to talk a little bit about Matt's project, this is uh, Matt's senior research project that's developed out of his interest in religious liberty cases. And I think one thing that I find especially admirable about this research is that he kind of took this idea and ran with it and really dove in head first to look at a bunch of different cases. Um, and even through the presentation, I think it was very obvious the um, impressive wealth of knowledge that he has about these different constitutional law cases. Um, and I think that'll serve him especially well in law school. Um, and it was a, a very um, advanced and ambitious research project. And so I think that was uh, especially great to be able to share at a conference. Um, and the the breakfast paper, as it's um, come to be known, um, and Grant's project, I think this is a fun project. It's one that um, everyone 
kind of we can have a little bit of fun with it. And even in the presentation, we had a few jokes about um, time serial data um, with the serial. But I think it also um, talks about some very serious topics about polarization in the United States, about the the divisions that we see in society, but also how we could potentially alleviate some of those differences. And so I think this is um, a nice research project because it is both fun and um, has some interesting, cool takeaways, but also says something meaningful about American democracy. Um, and likewise, um, Grant did some amazing work on this, coding uh, text data and turning it into quantitative data, making some cool visuals for our project. Um, so I think that I'm excited to see where that project goes. We're currently submitting it for um, publication in some academic journals. So I'm excited to see what happens with that project too. And Andre says that both Monmouth students received a lot of high praise for their work. Both of the presentations were very, very well received, and um, they received a lot of kudos for the ambitious work that they're doing, especially at the undergraduate level. I'd say, I mean, both of these projects are things that um, people would be doing in graduate school, and so the fact that they're doing this already um, is a testament to the good work that they've put in, and I think was recognized by a lot of people who are within these fields, who are experts in these fields, and to see the good work that they're doing um, made me feel very proud, and hopefully they feel proud about the work they put into. That's Monmouth College political science professor Andre Audette. You also heard from Monmouth seniors Matt Datloff and Grant Miller, two of the outstanding seniors in Monmouth's political science program. listening to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College, I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Monmouth students Shay Hafner and Allie Clay have a pretty exciting summer lined up. They've both been accepted into the prestigious Fund for American Studies summer program, which is held in Washington, D.C. The two juniors will be taking courses in economics at George Mason University. They'll get to attend public policy lectures in Washington, D.C. at places such as the White House and the U.S. Capitol. And they also get to serve an internship during the eight-week program. Allie is a public relations junior from Jacksonville, Illinois. She said the Fund for American studies and the opportunities it will provide her will be great preparation for her next step after Monmouth, which she says will be law school. I just really wanted to do an internship for being pre-law instead of just focused on public relations, um, something that would set me aside like when I'm applying to law school, and especially being able to go to like D.C. and yeah. be in the area where like all of that happens in government and everything, and policy is made, so I... Yeah. Yeah, that's what attracted me, at least. Um, I was able to connect with the different alumni who did do this program, and I know that um, some of them who are now in law school, like, that really helped them on their application, too. And I, like, I couldn't ask for a better internship to, like, then be put on my resume to apply to go to law school, and that's, in, like, that's crazy to me. So I wouldn't, I don't know. Like, it's very important, because I could intern at a small firm somewhere. I could do anything with PR, but... Um, just wanted something to like set me apart from everyone like other applicants so yeah pretty much yeah thanks to donors I wouldn't in well, there's a lot of other programs I'm sure out there that like 
the school helps fund and stuff. So yeah. Shay is a political science and data science double major from Sterling, Illinois. This was the second time he actually was accepted into the program. Unfortunately, he couldn't afford to do it the first time. This time, he was able to do it because a Monmouth donor stepped forward and helped make up the difference. Two, one current Monmouth College student and a former Monmouth College student, Gabrielle Peterson, and then Hadley, um, mm -hmm. both did it. And Hadley was in Emger, I'm in Emger, so mm -hmm. she like, told me about it, and Marnie Dugan had told me that she did it. So I just kind of applied last year, and I got accepted, but they did not give me much of a scholarship, and it is expensive to live in D.C. and go to classes there, but... I wanted to do it again this year because it is a really cool program. Working in D.C. is cool. Taking class there is cool. And I did get more money this year, so I was able to go. And Shay says that it means a lot to him that he will have an incredible summer experience thanks in part to the generosity of Monmouth donors. That's one of the things I love so much about Monmouth is, like, it is just... A lot of the donors haven't like met me or know me personally, but they care enough about the school and the people mm -hmm. going there that they're willing to, you know, give time and money to us, and that means a lot. And it's the kind of thing that, like, I hope yeah. I can get to a point and do the same thing. Like, that's kind of what the school is all about. That's Monmouth Juniors Shay Hafner and Allie Clay. They're headed this summer to the prestigious Fund for American Studies program in Washington, D.C. You can read more about them in the news and events section of the Monmouth College website. And that address is monmouthcollege.edu slash news. And that's going to be a 30 for this 28th edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2021-2022 school year. Tell us what you think about this podcast. You can do that by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody. Have a nice day and stay healthy. 